0: And this is simply a platform to share these empowering Kiwi birth tales with you all. In this episode of Kiwi Birth Tales, I speak with Jess from Wellness by Jessica. And she takes us through some really important pregnancy and post-pregnancy nutrition information, as well as some hormone balancing key tips. Um, she also talks about postnatal depletion, and she's got a lot of really interesting info in there. So this is a great episode to add to the professional series. And I'm very grateful to Jess for joining us. So I hope you enjoy. Hey Jess, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. And thanks, Jordan. It's nice to be here. Awesome. Um, do you just want to tell our listeners a little bit about you quickly before we jump into the um, podcast? Of
1: course. So my name is Jessica. I run Wellness by Jessica in Takapuna. Um, I specialize in women's fertility, so that means all of your hormonal issues um, pre and post-pregnancy. I also help women during their pregnancy. Um, I work with a lot of women who have PCOS or endometriosis or um, sort of period and ovulation issues I also help women with the postnatal depletion and getting back on their feet after pregnancy and feeling well again
0: yeah awesome and if somebody um, listened to this and thought oh my gosh I need to work with Jess do they need to be based in Takapuna or do you do online or over the phone consults or anything like that I do so a lot of my clients are actually
1: overseas or all across New Zealand and we work via video calls and um, it just works exactly the same as being in person so they can work together
0: cool perfect okay well I've got um, a short list of questions that I get asked yeah heaps on the podcast page so Mm -hmm. we'll jump into those and hopefully um You can give us some great advice. I'm looking forward to it. So the first one I've got on the list is what are the key nutrients or supplements that women should be trying to include in their diets, both early and late in pregnancy? Mm-hmm. Early
1: pregnancy, you've got the two big ones, which most women know about, and you will be prescribed a supplement by your GP or your midwife. Um, so those two are folate and iodine. Now, both of these are really important for uh, brain function and neural and reducing neural tube defect risk. Um, so folate is for the neural, neural tube defects, and then iodine is for that brain function and development in, in early pregnancy. Folate should be taken from before you're trying to conceive, okay. So when you think, okay, maybe I want to start having a baby in six months time, start taking your folate then. Um, and that needs to be taken all the way up until sort of week twelve or thirteen of your pregnancy. And iodine's the same, um, it's fantastic for women to start that before they fall pregnant, and you actually yeah. need to continue that all the way through until you finish breastfeeding, which a lot of women are dropping off the iodine as soon as baby's born, but your yeah. iodine needs actually continue as you're breastfeeding because obviously you're passing those nutrients through. So if you breastfeed, you have to keep going on the iodine. Um, and then you've got choline. So choline is a bit of a new one, and it's not one that um, – it's not a nutrient that's been out in the public kind of space at the moment, kind of a new kid on the block. Um, but we found that choline and folate actually work together to reduce neural tube defects. Um, So it is just as important as folate in early pregnancy. Um, So it it reduces that neural tube defect risk. Um, It also reduces your preeclampsia risk. And studies have found that um, women who have adequate choline intake during pregnancy and before pregnancy um, have babies with higher uh, cognitive function. So it is really important. Yeah, so it's quite a big one, and it's nobody's really talking about it yet. Yeah. But in, yeah. you know, sort of 10 years' time, it might be something that is prescribed alongside folate um as one of those sort of essential pregnancy nutrients. Um yeah. So I'm using it in clinic, and I know a lot of other practitioners are as well. But mostly, choline in our diet comes from egg yolk. So if you're not an egg eater, you need to be making sure that you're supplementing with that one um, throughout your whole yeah. pregnancy. Otherwise, a couple of eggs okay. a day. Um, covers those needs, cool. and then so those are the sort of the three really big ones. For early pregnancy, I don't want to um, give women a whole big long list of every nutrient that they need. <laughs> I think early pregnancy, we've got enough to worry about when we're feeling a bit nauseous and. Most women already panic at that time, thinking, oh my gosh, I'm not eating very much or I'm living off ginger yeah. or water crackers. Um, <laughs> my poor baby's not getting the nutrients it needs. You have to remember that in that early pregnancy, yes, it's fantastic if you can keep down your pregnancy, you've got multivitamin and it's, you know, you need to be having that folate and that iodine at the minimum, but you've got a store of nutrients, you know, before pregnancy anyway, and that baby is just a tiny little dot. So it's not needing excessive amounts of nutrients like it does in, in later pregnancy. Um, yeah. So kind of keep your um, expectations on yourself low in those first couple of weeks when things are feeling a little bit rough um, and then focus, you know, further into the pregnancy on really loading up on those nutrients. Um yeah, I don't like women to stress too much in those first sort of 10 <laughs> to 12 weeks. Um, yeah. Late pregnancy, my really, really big focus in clinic with women is iron. Um, so I know, Jordan, you wanted to speak about this today. And iron yeah. is something that comes up in clinic with almost every pregnant woman. And it's just because those needs go through the roof and because you have a good couple of months in the beginning where you just don't feel like sitting down to a big stake. Um and quite often women are going into pregnancy deficient. Um, so yeah. then they're constantly playing catch up. Um, so that would be a really, really big focus for me would be monitoring those iron levels, the whole pregnancy, and making sure women keep up their red meat intake and their dark green leafy um, vegetables just to make sure they're keeping that iron up. Um, but it is really, really important for women to test with their midwives throughout their pregnancy. So I like to test women every sort of... Six to eight weeks to monitor those ferritin levels. And right. I like to say up around 30 to 50 the whole pregnancy or ideally higher. And the higher that iron level or that ferritin level is going into birth, the better that woman's going to recover and the better she's going to cope in those first sort of four or five weeks where things are really wobbly. Yeah. Um, and then late pregnancy, it's also important to remember that obviously baby's taken up a whole heap of space. And so your stomach is a lot smaller. Um That's when we start to get the, the sort of refluxy symptoms and the heartburn and you just feel a little bit uncomfortable. So it's important just to keep those meals small and frequent. Um, try and keep your blood sugar even with sort of solid little meals rather than carbohydrate-based snacks the whole day Um, and then magnesium is also important in that third trimester when women start to feel a little bit crampy and just a little bit uncomfortable and sleep becomes harder that's when we've really got to got to get the magnesium in Um, for most women I do I do recommend a supplement of about 400 milligrams of magnesium glycinate um, taken before bed just to help with those aches and pains and just the stiffness that can come um and the last one really is probiotics so especially if you are planning to have a vaginal birth um or you know that's the that's the plan to begin with then we want to make sure that you've got a good um balance of gut bacteria going on in there and a pregnancy probiotic can help do that and it just increases the chance that you've got a whole bunch of good bugs that are going to get passed on to baby um come yeah birthday really
0: Okay. Awesome. Perfect. And I know you sort of touched on this, but do you recommend taking a pregnancy vitamin? And if you do, how do you choose the right
1: one? Yeah, this is a tough one. Um, I do recommend a pregnancy multivitamin because you think of it as sort of insurance. You know, for example, you take it today. Well, I at least i have already got those basic nutrients put in this morning. Even if I have a really crappy day of morning sickness and I don't eat very well, we've got the basics covered. When it comes to finding one that you can trust, <laughs> I'm going to be honest. It's the the sort of mainstream brand that will be recommended to most women by midwives and GPs. Um, Well-meaning of them, but it's not the brand I would recommend any of my clients purchase. Um, so I yeah. think most women probably know the brand I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> So I would recommend seeing a practitioner to get a pregnancy multivitamin. That's a, that's a kind of what we call a practitioner only one. They need to be prescribed to you by a qualified, by a qualified pharmacist or by a qualified nutritionist or naturopath. Um, the nutrients in these blends, um, they're usually higher dose and they're far more absorbable than your stock standard one that you can buy just to be most off the shelf. Um, yeah. they're a better blend. They're a newer formulation. So that means that, the formulators of these products are looking at all the latest research. So you're actually getting the best form of the nutrients, the best amount, and the different nutrients. So it's not all of the pregnancy multi- multivitamins that you can just buy off the shelf in your normal pharmacy actually have exactly what you need. Um, so get some advice, even if it's just talking to a pharmacist, but um, I would steer clear from the most commonly advertised
0: pregnancy multivitamin. <laughs> yeah. Okay, awesome. Um, And is there anything that you suggest doing in the lead-up to birth to manage hormones? Yeah, so I mean for most women, um, testing and tracking is the
1: first step. So if you have been off the pill for a while or off any sort of contraception for a while and you're monitoring your cycle, that's the first step because first of all you need to know before you go into trying to conceive is is my cycle regular, am I ovulating? Um, so start by just tracking, using a period tracker and just checking that your periods are coming along every sort of 26, 27 to 35 days and that that's regular for you. Um, and then to double check that you're ovulating, you can track your temperature. So you, that's sort of the basal thermometer Um, method which if you have a google you'll be shown how to do that and that will track when exactly you are ovulating which obviously is very important when trying to conceive because you need to be having sex at the right time um and then you can also get a blood test at about day 21 of your cycle or seven days post ovulation to check that you have in fact ovulated and that you then are making enough progesterone so that's always the first step because that tells me, one, if a woman's ovulating and two, if she is making enough progesterone um, to sort of sustain that pregnancy in the early stages. Um, and then if all of that looks totally fine and you're ovulating on time, happy days, just continue to um, sort of look after those hormones, which I'll touch on in a second. If you are temperature tracking or you're getting your progesterone blood tests and you think, actually, I'm not ovulating, I don't know why, or I can't figure out where it's happening, I um, think get in touch with, with an expert because they will be able to pinpoint the problem very quickly um, with some hormone blood tests or some urine um, hormone testing and actually start to help you out. My biggest advice for women who are trying to conceive is just don't leave it because at the moment sort of the standard advice for New Zealand GPs is, you know, if you've been trying for a year and nothing is happening, then we'll take a look. But so often I see women who have been struggling for a year and they've been tracking and they've been ping on ovulation sex and having sex every second day and they're still not pregnant. Um, mm. And they're exhausted and they're fed up and they just hate the whole process. Um, and then after a couple of months, we actually, we figure out what the problem is and it's a relatively easy fix. And so I just hate when women struggle, you know, when there's actually a relatively easy yeah. for things. Um, but if you, if you are ovulating and you, you know, you've proved that with a blood test and with your temperature tracking, then it's just about making sure that you support your body with, um, nutrients to nourish the eggs, because obviously that egg is going to turn into your baby. Um, so you want to be making sure you've got enough omega-3s coming in, enough B6, um, some zinc, and then making sure that your estrogen clearance is going well. Um, so that just means supporting your gut and your liver. So lots and lots of brassica veggies, which are your broccoli and your cauliflower and your cabbage and your Brussels sprouts. Um, and then adding in some flax seeds is something I always recommend for women. It just helps with that estrogen balance the helps with clearing um, estrogen and waste out of the gut. Um, and it, it's an easy one to add into your smoothie or into your cereal in the morning.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Cool. And <clears throat> the next question is, Um, We touched on the iron one, so we might jump to. Can you tell me a little bit about gestational diabetes and what it is? What can I do to avoid it? Um, Or if I do have gestational diabetes, what are some tips on managing it? Yeah.
1: So gestational diabetes is when there's an increased amount of glucose in the blood and not enough insulin to take that glucose out of the blood. So insulin is the little hormone um, that takes takes all the blood sugar, takes the sugar out of the blood puts it into the cells so that the cells can then use that sugar as energy. Um, During pregnancy, there are pregnancy hormones that interfere with how well insulin works, um, and we also have an increased demand for insulin in pregnancy just because that baby also needs it. Um, And so if we have too much glucose and not enough insulin getting pumped around, that's when we end up in that gestational diabetes category. Um, for most women, this will be picked up at about 22 to 23 weeks when they get sent for their glucose tolerance testing, um, and then it's normally dealt with there. In New Zealand, we've got pretty good management um, that comes from your midwife and your um, GP or OBGYN um, for gestational diabetes, and most women won't end up on on, um, insulin injections in New Zealand. We do manage it quite well with diet and exercise, um, and it can definitely be managed with, with diet and exercise. So exercise is really important. So just doing what you can depending on the stage of your pregnancy when you're diagnosed, making sure that you stay active throughout your pregnancy Um, to a level that's, you know, comfortable for you. I don't want anybody sort of starting crazy six-week challenges at 25 weeks pregnant. Um, (laughs) But just keep active, keep swimming, keep walking, you know, doing what you would normally do. Um, And then when it comes to diet for gestational diabetes, um, the focus should always, always be around real food. Um, so trying to eliminate any of the processed food just because processed food normally comes with a higher level of simple carbohydrates. So when I say simple carbohydrates, I mean carbohydrates that are not mixed up with a lot of fat and protein and fiber. And so these carbohydrates or these sugars race into the bloodstream very quickly and then your body has a whole bunch of blood sugar or, or sugar in the blood to deal with very quickly. So it's better to be eating real food where we've got some fat and some protein and some fiber to buffer that carbohydrate content. So it's absorbed far more slowly and your body actually has time to deal with that carbohydrate, um, bit by bit rather than a big dump into the bloodstream. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, awesome. I mean, it's when women get diagnosed, they tend to panic a little bit. Um, but get yeah, clear diet advice early on in the pregnancy. Um, and, and most women will, sort of avoid the gestational diabetes. I don't think it's as common as people think. Um, yeah. If if you've had blood sugar issues in the past or if you've had, or if you've got PCOS, you're at high risk. Um, but it, it can definitely be managed. And if, it, if you get onto managing it as soon as you find out, you're far, far less likely to have any birth complications, um, you know, yeah. 10 weeks later.
0: Yeah. yeah. Okay, awesome. Um, and once I've given birth, what are some key things I can do to manage my hormones? Yeah, this one, um,
1: I don't want to put too much pressure on women post-birth. You've got a brand new baby to deal with. So really the focus needs to be around sleep and good food and just forget about the rest because those yeah. those are the two most important things. I don't want women focusing on exercising or doing any of those things. It really should be around eating really good filling food um, and just resting as much as you possibly can. Um, Post-birth, your estrogen and your progesterone drop dramatically. Um, And that's why some women in those sort of first couple of weeks will get the the heavy sweating and will just feel all over the show. Um, And that's because those really, really big hormonal changes. And that's also why we get um, the post-baby blues. Okay so that's that massive drop in hormones that have been keeping you nice and calm and happy and and content for the whole pregnancy and then suddenly they just disappear. Um and it t- it takes time for those hormones to rebalance and for a lot of women progesterone won't con- won't come back online for you know a good a good few months and possibly not until they finish breastfeeding. So it's important to use nutrients to kind of buffer your system a little bit um, against those changes. So just focusing on lots of good food, lots of protein, keeping your blood sugar really balanced because for a lot of women who are um, post-birth, they – They'll eat sort of a, they might might have a good breakfast if partners, if their partner's home then, and then they'll rely on sort of sugary snacks the rest of the day just because their hands are full and they're just trying to get through. Um, But if they can opt for food that they can ideally eat with one hand, like a smoothie, that also helps to balance their blood sugar, they don't get as much of the ups and downs throughout the day, which actually contributes to the anxiety and sort of low mood that can come with post-pregnancy. So lots and lots of real food keeping sort of probably, if you're breastfeeding, it's sort of somewhere between four and six mini meals a day um, just to keep those energy levels up, lots and lots of nutrients. And again, focusing on the iron. Like I said before, that iron deficiency is what really gets women post-pregnancy. And, Even in a textbook perfect vaginal birth, there is blood loss, which means an increased iron deficiency. Um and if anything if your birth has been anything except textbook perfect vaginal, there's even more blood loss. So you've just got to keep that in mind and keep that red meat intake up, or ask your midwife for a um an iron supplement and and take that religiously.
0: Yeah, okay. Awesome. Um, and there's a, I guess I've heard this these words a lot, um, especially on Instagram. I know there's been a few books written and different things lately. So postnatal depletion, are you able to talk us through what that is and what the sort of signs are to look out for?
1: Yeah. So postnatal depletion um, is the state that women find themselves in when they're um post baby by a good few months so it's, it's not really that stage where we've just sort of freshly had a baby and we're just exhausted and wiped out it's sort of six to 12 months later than that. And it can honestly, it can be even longer than that. And it's that state that women are in where they feel like they've never recovered from their pregnancy. So I'm sure you've spoken to women and they say, oh, I've never been the same since I had baby number one or baby number two. I just never recovered between pregnancies. I always feel tired. You know, my kids are both at school and sleeping through the night and I still just feel like I did When my baby was six months, um, that postnatal depletion where they just feel like they never recovered. Um, and for a lot of women, they didn't. So first of all, pregnancy is a massive, massive demand on the body. Um, if you're not eating the nutrients, baby will still take those nutrients from your body, which means you end up depleted. Things like omega three, which I haven't really touched on today. Um, We'll get sucked out and, you know, cholesterol and things will get sucked out to the point where mum may even have brain shrinkage post pregnancy. And that's just because, you know, females are set up to give everything to baby. And so once we've had baby, we're already at a sort of a nutrient deficit. Um, and then you go and pile on the stress of actually looking after a newborn or looking after a newborn and possibly a, you know, another toddler in the family. Um, and women's adrenals and their thyroid and their gut health all start to fail. And that's because, um, mum is never the priority when you've got a new baby or you've got several kids in the family um, and that's understandable but then mum's health starts to suffer and if she never gets that chance to fully recover um, and doesn't have that support at home to really recover, eat well, rest properly, that's when she ends up in that postnatal depletion state and a lot of women get yeah. in it and not realising. Um, my first sort of um, tips for women who think, yeah, that kind of sounds like me that I just never really recovered is to go to your GP and get some blood tests done. You want to be checking your ferritin, so your iron levels. You want to be checking up on things like B12 and zinc um, and then thyroid. So a lot of women who have a couple of babies and, you know, things seem okay and they might lose a little bit of weight post birth and then they just plateau and they feel like they're exhausted and that they're, they can't shift any of that sort of baby weight. Those are the women where I'm really looking out for thyroid issues because your thyroid has to work incredibly hard during pregnancy um, and breastfeeding. And quite often, issues with your thyroid will sort of fly under the radar for five or 10 years before it gets picked up. So ask your GP to properly test your thyroid. Um, and it's important to continue your prenatal, okay, past that pregnancy time because it takes time for them okay. to re- you sort of replenish those nutrients. So even if you finish breastfeeding, it can be a good idea just to keep up that multivitamin because for a lot of women, even if they finish breastfeeding, that doesn't mean they've suddenly got all this time on their hands because they still have yeah. small children. Um, and yeah. so, you know, in an ideal situation, yes, you'd be eating perfectly, you know, nutrient dense meals every single time. The reality is that just doesn't happen for most women. Um, to try and try and support yourself in other ways, um, taking time out to really reflect on where you're at, asking for help, keeping up the, the pregnancy multivitamin, um, and then assess your cycle. So when it does return, just have a little think about how your cycle used to be post, uh, sorry, pre-baby. And then just see if you've gone back to that, um, same cycle, if it's heavier, if it's more painful. Um, then get those things looked at because the longer that those sort of heavy, painful periods drag on for, the worse you will feel. So it's best to just get that sorted straight after baby.
0: Yeah. Okay. Awesome. And I know that you touched on this just before um, around sort of the, <laughs> the lack of ability to get really good foods and during the day when you're probably a mom at home on your own. But if there yeah. was sort of some foods that you would say um, absolutely do your best to get those into you in the first few weeks post-birth, is there any that those that would be on your list?
1: Protein. And red meat, again, the iron thing is my biggest number one. You'll probably think this whole interview is about iron. Um, and if that's the <laughs> one takeaway that women pick up from this, then I'm stoked. So prioritizing red meat. Um, if you if you don't eat red meat, you must, must supplement. Um, and then foods throughout the day that help to balance that blood sugar. So making sure, again, that we've got protein and nourishing fats coming in. And for most women, the easiest way to do this is with a smoothie. Because, you know, they can make it and they can drink it over the course of two hours with one hand. Um, and, and so a smoothie with nuts and avocados and flaxseed, some protein powder, some collagen powder, um, is the way to go. A bit of fruit, you know, for flavouring. Um, otherwise leftover sort of roast chicken or bits of meat from the night, from the night before and then lots and lots and lots of fibre. So, Post birth, as your body's trying to detox all that estrogen and progesterone, that first has to go into the liver and then into the gut. And quite often women will find that they're very bloaty and uncomfortable after birth, and that's just because there's not um enough waste moving through quickly enough. So increasing your fibre intake, lots of leafy greens, lots of root vegetables coming in, so you and nuts and seeds, you've got all that fiber to push waste through really effectively. Post birth, you want to be having one to two bowel motions a day that ideally are pain free smooth sausages um to help you feel best and recover recover quickly
0: yeah okay awesome and last question i know we touched on the post baby blues a little bit as well but is there anything i can be doing to manage that real dip in hormones um or just be mindful of that and try to manage the post baby blues before they hit
1: yeah in my pregnancy consultations, it's always sort of a, a screening factor that I look for. If women have had any sort of patches in their life of anxiety or depression, I'm on high alert to make sure that we're preventing any possible risk of that later on. Um, so if you are someone who's had anxiety and depression pre-pregnancy, um, then get a plan in place early. And for me, that plan looks like, one, having um, meals in the freezer ready to go, whether you're, you make them yourself and, and freeze them or you buy them in. Making sure that you've got meals there so you can, you can actually feed yourself well in the first sort of three or four weeks. Um, get some support from friends and family. So even if it's, even if you tell your sister or your mum or your best friend or someone and just say, Hey, I'm a bit concerned that I could be one of those women that, that get the baby blues and I'm not sure how I'm going to cope with it. You know, can you keep an eye on this for me? Because women don't always recognize that they're in that state themselves. Um, so having yeah. a bit of a support person to keep an eye on that that's possibly not your partner that lives with you um, is a good idea bring it up with your midwife and she will she can also put you into um, in touch with people who can help you um, but nutrient wise you want to be making sure you've got omega-3s iron again and vitamin d coming in so if you're taking a pregnancy multivitamin good chance it will have vitamin D in. If it doesn't, then stay away. Um it should have vitamin D in and then post birth, if you've stopped your pregnancy multivitamin, it might more vitamin, then just make sure you get a separate vitamin D capsule or a spray to take. Um increasing um like the calming herbs that are coming in. So your chamomile and your lemon balm teas can be super helpful for new mums. And in the middle of summer I'm asking a lot of my women to Make it in bulk, like brew the tea in bulk and then put it in the fridge so you can actually sip on it throughout the day. That's perfectly safe for breastfeeding as well. Um, asking for help, getting sleep and just not trying to do everything yourself um, and just keep in mind that that estrogen progesterone are dropping and it's normal to feel a bit flat post-baby because, one, you're exhausted, um, your body's gone through sort of a massive event and then we've had a massive hormonal change on top. Um, so just keep in mind yeah. that it is totally normal to feel a bit flat or feel a little bit funny when those hormones disappear and to try to um, sort of compensate for that hormonal change with lots and lots of bonding with babies so that you get some oxytocin to replace that, like progesterone.
0: Yeah. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you. That is all the questions on my list, but just um, one more from me. If we want to get in touch with you, how is the best way to do that? Uh, best way is to head over to my website wellnessbyjessica.com.
1: dot um, and there's lots of information and blogs and recipes and freebies on there. Um, otherwise, if they've got questions or they you know they're just sort of interested in what I'm posting about, um, they can follow me on Instagram and Facebook, which is again is just Wellness by Jessica, um, and I'm always hosting live Q and As and videos and things on there where women can jump in with questions. Um, but yeah, otherwise just flick me a DM. I'm always happy to chat.
0: Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much just for joining me on the podcast today and sharing some of your wisdom with us. I know there'll be lots of women out there who will really appreciate it. So thank you. You're welcome, Jordan. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it. I'd love to hear your feedback. So either leave a review on the podcast app that you're listening on or head to our Instagram at Kiwi Birth Tales and leave a comment there. If you're interested in sharing your birth tale, then please head to the Instagram page and use the email link to get in touch. Thanks again for listening. I really look forward to sharing the next episode with you.
1: Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.